Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse 1 and read through verse 13. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus." For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Now, Father, we rejoice in the truth of this passage. And I pray, Heavenly Father, you'd use the challenge that we have in this passage to deal with our hearts, to help us remember some very important things in this day. Lord, we're too quick to forget the things we need to remember. And too quick to remember the things we ought to have forgotten. Lord, I pray you'd have your hand upon us. Save the lost this morning, I pray. And challenge the saved to remember right. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I tell you what, just hearing Miss Martha sing, I always enjoy your singing. But uh, that's one of the reasons I don't sing. I choke. Not only that, I can't remember the words. Now, you'd think, I don't care how long I have known a song. To get up and sing it in front of people, if I don't have the book right there and look at it, I will forget something. And the thing is, the music doesn't stop. That's embarrassing. I admire all of our folks who are willing to do the specials, and uh, most of the time they're able to get through it. But I also, with you got any kind of a little frog in your throat at all, uh, we were at the conference this week over in... uh, Walkertown, North Carolina, uh, one of the ladies uh, was singing with her husband, and she got that. Only thing, it kept coming and coming, and finally she just gave up and just stood there and 
watched and watched her husband do it all by herself. That's the way it works. But we, you know, the reality is we do have real trouble with our memory a lot. And we don't often remember things exactly the way that that, uh, things happened. Israel had that problem. You remember when God's trying to get them through the wilderness and he's moving them along. Whenever they would come to a hard place, they'd start saying, Oh, what to God, we're still back in Egypt. Back in Egypt where we had melons and leeks and onions. Yeah, and you also had a, a pharaoh who was trying killing all the boy children. You were also slaves and worked as slaves every day. And as tough as they can make it, they made it for you. They seemed to forget all that when they were in the wilderness. I mean, there was a reason that they wanted out of the land to begin with. But now they're looking at it a good thing because they're going through some hardships at that time. God gave them many things to help them to remember after they got out of Egypt and into the promised land. He gave them things to remember what God had done in their life. Their different feasts that they would have every year was to remember something that God had done. Just take the Passover. The whole deal of the Passover had to do with the the shedding of the blood of the lamb and putting it on the doorpost. And during that time, of course, as God came through the land, he destroyed the firstborn of all the families of Egypt, except for the Israelites who had put blood on the door. That Passover time was a remembrance for them, as all the feasts were, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Pentecost. It was all for them to remember the goodness of God. In the New Testament church, we do baptism. What is baptism about? When anybody gets baptized, they picture the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're publicly telling people that they have trusted in the finished work of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. And for all who watch it, we not only see their public testimony of their faith, but it is a reminder to us again of what Christ did for every one of us. You take the Lord's Supper, and we're to do that till Jesus comes. The Lord's Supper is a reminder to us of what he went through on the cross of Calvary for our salvation. It's absolutely amazing how often people who've been born again get upset with God because things aren't going like they wanted them to go. That they had hard times. Everybody, by the way, has hard times. Everybody has to face death, either the death of loved ones or their own death and illness and trial and trouble. And don't get mad at God about that. It's not his fault. Get mad at Adam and Eve if you want to get mad at anybody or get mad at the devil. That would be fine. But quite often we just simply have a faulty memory. I am finding as I get older that there are a lot of things I don't do as easily or as well as what I used to do. But there is part of me that is working better than ever, and that is my forgetter. Man, I forget a lot of things. I think sometimes I have staff members that try to take advantage of that (laughs) by saying, Pastor, don't you remember when you said we could do that? No, I not only don't remember ever saying it, but I can't have any idea why I would have said that. I had to be out of my mind. We're not going to mention any names, but his initials are Wally Bryant. (laughs) 
Matter of fact, I was thinking about telling a memory joke, but I forgot it. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes forgetting is, is kind of humorous. I can't, how many times? Power's gone out, and then I'll walk into the next room, and it's dark because the power's gone out, and I'll flip the light switch. And you do that, and you think, well, that was dumb. Why on earth did I flip the light switch? The power's out. Well, since the power's out, I might as well go in and watch TV. I can't do anything else. (laughs) Now, come on. Some of you have been there. I am not the only one. I mean, talk about short-term memory loss. That is short-term memory loss. Of course, the good part about that is people don't see you do it, and so it saves you a little bit of embarrassment. Other times, though, it can be very serious like forgetting whether or not you just took the medicine that you have to take every day, and you don't want to go a day without taking it, but you fear if you take it, you'll overdose. And a lot of us who are older have been there, trying to remember. Did I brush my teeth this morning? You know, there are two main characters in the Old Testament that are named forget. Now, In the Hebrew, that is the word Manasseh. The first one, of course, has to do with the first son of Joseph when he was in Egypt. Remember, he had been sold into slavery by his own brothers. And then he had been put into prison because of a lie that was told about him. When he got out of the prison, became the number two man in Egypt, and uh, he got married and he had a son. His first son he named Manasseh, forgetting because God had caused him to forget all those hard times that he'd had with that new boy. But the second main character named Manasseh, well, obviously, that Manasseh, the one of Joseph's sons, uh, his whole uh, people after him were uh, an entire tribe in all of Israel. But King Hezekiah, who had been a good king later on for Israel, he had a son, and he named him Manasseh, and that young man forgot every good thing that his father did and became the most wicked king in the entire history of Judah. Forgetting. Well, there are things that God admonishes us in the scripture to remember. And I want to give you some of those things that you need to remember. You know, the reality is we need to think right if we're going to have the type of life that we ought to have for his glory. There are just a lot of people, their minds are on the wrong things, and that is why they are constantly defeated. I want to give you about five things. I believe we'll have time for them, and then we'll be done. First of all, we need to remember what we were. In the passage that I read, he says a lot of things about what we were. For all of you who've been born again, We're going to look at what we were. For you who've not been born again, this is what you are. Because we were there too. The truth is, we weren't any better than you. This is what we were. And and we're going to tell you what you can be in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to be this way. But we were dead in trespasses and sins. Doesn't make any difference if you were brought up in a Christian home or not. If you were brought up in a godly home... Or you were brought up in a very vulgar home. All who are lost are dead in trespasses and sins. They do not have spiritual life. They are on their way to hell. 
Not only that, what we were was this. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air in verse 2. And he also says in verse 2 that we walked after the children of disobedience. That is what we were. Not only that, in verse 3, we were children of wrath. I've got news for you. All this wrath and the rage that goes on in our nation today, that's not new. It's been going on since Cain and Abel. You understand that? And since we're all sinners, we've all sinned to come short of the glory of God. That is what the nature of man basically is. And when we were lost, that's definitely what we were. Again, in verse 5, he tells us we were dead in sins. He tells us we were considered uncircumcised by the circumcised. People who thought they were better because they had certain things that they could proclaim that had been good but really didn't add anything to them spiritually. He tells us in verse 12 that we were without Christ, that we were aliens, that we were strangers from the covenant covenant of promise, that we had no hope, and that we were without God. That's what we were. That doesn't sound very good, does it? You look at that and you say, my, we were in bad shape. Dead in trespasses and sins, walking according to the prince of the power of the air, children of disobedience, children of wrath, uncircumcised without Christ, aliens, no hope, without God. And he says in verse 13, now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes get this, were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That's what we were. When you get to thinking you're really something, go back to this passage right here. Read those verses, find out what you were, same as everybody. Bible says, for there is no difference for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. Whether it be the church attender or the bartender, doesn't make any difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All are deserving of hell. Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what a difference is seen in verse 10. After saying in verses 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Notice in verse 10 he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What a change he made in my life when he saved me. Now I am with God. Now I know him. Now I'm no longer a child of disobedience. Now I'm no longer a child of wrath. But he has ordained that those who are born again, that there is a difference in their life. There's a difference in their motive. There's a difference in their walk. And there's a difference in their destiny. Hallelujah. We need to remember what we were. God didn't get a bargain when he got me. And for anybody else that's here, God didn't get a bargain when he got you. Absolutely amazing. He gave his son for us who deserved hell. He took our judgment. He took our punishment. I was lost and on my way to hell. I wanted nothing to do with him, and yet he loved me. And he gave himself for me. He gave his son to pay my sin debt. But God commendeth his love toward us 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 Peter 2.24, he puts it this way, who his own self bear our sin in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. No wonder Paul would cry out in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ constraineth me. You see, I believe Paul never forgot what he was. He never forgot what he deserved. As a matter of fact, to read his testimony, just turn over with me, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he gets into talking about what he was. He says in verse 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he or accounted uh, me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Look at this. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in an unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying. That uh, and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them that should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. I believe at this point, thinking about what he was, thinking about what Christ had done for him and that he is the chiefest of the sinners, could actually, could actually have eternal life and a future destiny with him. I believe he just got filled up. I think this is where he stood up, where he shouted, where he waved his Bible in the air, and where he began to just simply cry out, now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever Amen. You see, when you remember what you were, you get excited about what you are. And we need to remember what we were. <clears throat> if you've been saved, you should appreciate that God did it for you. When you were totally unlovely, he loved you. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. We should remember what we were. Not only that, we should remember godly examples. Turn over to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. The apostle Paul is making his rounds after his third missionary journey. He's on his way back to Jerusalem. And then hopefully he would think to Antioch. Actually, he's going to go to Antioch and then down to Jerusalem. But he stops around Ephesus, actually in an island off of Ephesus, to meet with the Ephesian elders. And he gives them a testimony about what he had done when he was with them. He was reminding them of some things for ministry's sake. And you'll notice in verse 28, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And then he says in verse 31, go on down to it. Therefore, watch and remember 
that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. What's he telling them to do? He's telling them to remember godly examples. We have truly been blessed at Madison Baptist Church. There are a number of saints who've already gone to glory that we have had the privilege of not only serving with them, but knowing them and seeing their testimony. We have a number of godly people that are here now who love the Lord and who live it, and they show it. Remember godly examples. By the way, you can live for God even in an ungodly culture. Too many people excuse their lack of staying true to the Lord because the days are wicked. It's in the night that the light shines the brightest. And yes, we live in a very, very dark time, but there have been a lot of people. We can just go through the scripture and come up with a number of names who lived in very dark days, and yet they shone in their testimony for God. Noah's testimony rebuked the world and condemned the world. And the midst of a world that God was going to destroy, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What a tremendous testimony. We could go through the Bible and find many that were like that. When Israel was totally sold to idolatry, there was a prophet. He wasn't like any of the other prophets. There was a prophet by the name of Elijah. And he stood, even though outnumbered, even though hated, even though people wanted him dead. He stood. And when he prayed for fire to come down, it came. And the victory was wrought. Remember godly examples. We could go through the apostles and talk about them. But this is the point. The apostle Paul is giving us his testimony here. After all, at this particular point, I think his testimony is remarkable because at this particular point, he's probably been saved about 30 years. I don't think Paul would understand a modern-day Christian saying, well, I was really excited about the Lord when I got saved. And I still love the Lord, but... It's just not as easy to talk about Jesus as what it was when I was a younger Christian. I think he would think that something is contaminated in our walk. I mean, after all, now I've known Jesus Christ as my Savior for 52 years now. 52 years. After 52 years, shouldn't it be easier to talk about Jesus now than what it was when I'd been saved only two? I mean, if I've been walking with him, if I've been talking with him, if I've been reading the scripture, if I've been praying to him every day and seeking his face, shouldn't it be easy? I mean, we really, we talk about the things we're interested in. Now, some of you older folks who have lived in Alabama for most of your life, you have followed the Alabama football program all of your life, and you still talk about it. Some of you followed the Auburn program, and you still talk about it. You don't have a hard time talking about it, but you have a hard time talking about Jesus. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. 
Paul is reminding them to remember godly examples. And we have many. Just read through the scripture. Most of us who were saved were saved because somebody believed in obeying the command of God. And there are people out there who will get saved if somebody here remembers they're responsible to tell them. Why do we still have a soul winning program? We're responsible to tell them. The command of Jesus is just as valid as what it's ever been. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But I, 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 I don't talk so good. Then throw away your cell phone. Just throw it away. You don't, need, you don't need a cell phone. I mean, if you can't talk, you don't need a cell phone. Now, it's, it's not the problem that they can't talk. It's that they don't want to talk about Jesus because the truth is they've not been walking very close to him in a long time. And they're kind of embarrassed talking about Jesus. Would you be embarrassed to talk about your wife? Or talk about your husband? Or talk about your mom and dad, your family? Would you be embarrassed to talk about that? Tell folks about who you, who, uh, who you know? Well, why would you be embarrassed to talk about Jesus? What's really sad is there are a lot of lost people that talk more about Jesus than a lot of saved people do. Come on. I mean, hey, in my family, we used the name Jesus when I was growing up all the time. It was always as a curse word. The world curses him. We ought to be praising him. Somebody curses Jesus in the grocery store. You ought to say, well, praise my Lord Jesus Christ. Don't think you ought to do that in public. Well, they shouldn't be cursing him in public. You know, I've heard a lot of people curse the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never heard anybody out in a grocery store or any place else curse Muhammad. You'd be scared to death to do that, wouldn't you? Why? He's not real. He's dead. He's in the grave. He's not real. Jesus came out of the grave. He's the only one who's conquered the grave. Why on earth would we be scared to talk about him? Remember... Godly examples. I, you say, why, why don't you get off that? Because I'm looking around and a whole lot of people obviously feel very uncomfortable right now. This is not a popular point. We need it. I would say most all of us don't talk about him near as much to others around us as we should be talking about him. And by the way, we need to be talking about him to one another as well praising his name but when we find it's far easier to talk about our favorite sport our favorite hobby our biggest fish and all that kind of stuff nothing wrong with saying something about that but then Jesus isn't even on our lips when we're with the brethren there's something wrong with us remember godly examples Jesus Christ is the most important person in my life. When I met him in 1971, he changed the entire direction, not only of my eternal destiny, he changed my walk, he changed everything. Matter of fact, my whole direction in life was altered when I met Jesus Christ. 
I'm not ashamed of that. I thank God for what he did in my life. When I got saved, I found I had a new want. Suddenly, I was concerned. Uh, I remember when I went forward at First Baptist Church in Otsego, Michigan, in November of 1971. And I pastor asked me what I was coming forward for, and I said, I'm coming to make public my salvation. And the second thing I said to him, now we need to pray for my wife that she'll get saved. I was concerned about her getting saved. She got saved that week when the pastor came out and won her to Christ. I started witnessing at work. First person I won to Christ was a young man by the name of Denny Gore, one of the fellow announcers. I was concerned about my brothers and my sisters, my parents, my in-laws. I was concerned about people that I knew. I wanted them to know that I had met Christ and I knew him and I wanted them to know him too. We ought to still want people to know him. I got news for you. With everything that's coming on, all the new bars and everything else in this area, all the new restaurants selling liquor, even the old ones like Cracker Barrel selling liquor now. I don't care to go in it. Don't care to go in it. He said, I love Cracker Barrel. Okay, fine. Just hope one of those, one of those sighs they put up there doesn't come down and land in the middle of your table. You look at the book of Acts, the first several chapters of the book of Acts. Those are some of the most thrilling chapters in all of church history. The thousands of people, thousands of people saved day after day. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. We need to remember what we were. We need to remember godly examples. Now hold on to this one. Go over to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Something else we need to remember. And I'll guarantee you this is one that most Christians haven't thought of in 2023. And yet it is as necessary today as ever. Notice in chapter 13 of the book of Hebrews. Notice verse 3. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. And them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Do you realize that in many different countries in this world, there are Christians who are suffering simply because they're Christians? There are Christians in jails and prisons and gulags simply because they're Christians. There are people suffering in Muslim lands. Many times it's not unusual for Christians to be slain by Muslims. As a matter of fact, one of the things I admire so greatly about the Filipino missionaries, I'm talking about Filipinos, the the church, listen, uh, Bible-believing churches in the Philippines are sending missionaries around the world out of their church, and they're sending a great number of their people to uh, Muslim countries to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the truth is, many of them suffer greatly. We're to remember those who are in bonds as bonds with them. I have a little book here. I have a couple about Georgie Vins. Georgie Vins, a Russian Baptist preacher. Now, Georgie Vins, the, the title of this, this was his testimony. This is an old book. I've got another book by his daughter who saw him carried off into prison. 
and some stirring stories in there about their faithfulness during persecution. This is something none of us have ever faced. The worst we get is somebody slamming a door in our face when we go out to witness. That's the worst we get. Nobody puts us in prison. Nobody arrests us for putting out the gospel, for passing out tracts. But this one, three generations of suffering. That was the title of it. And this goes back, some of you, Brother Popo, you probably remember this book from back then. Uh, what a testimony, standing for Christ. George Evans, when he was a little boy, saw his daddy carried off and didn't see him for years. He got to come back. His dad went right out witnessing again, arrested again, and carried off. Finally, I don't know how many times he was arrested, but then there was the final time, and he never saw his dad again. At the time of, I believe, this writing, he'd been imprisoned at least three times. Remember them that are in bonds. Have you prayed for those that are in bonds? I'll tell you a dangerous place to be a Christian today is India. Dangerous place to be a Christian today is in China. Dangerous place to be a Christian today is in Russia. Southeast Asia, extremely dangerous to be a Christian there. If you were to go to Greece and decide to live out your faith and tell somebody... Neighborhood doesn't make any difference. You know that they have laws in Greece. I'm talking about Greece now. They have laws in Greece that if you talk anybody into changing their religion, you go to prison. Just to live the normal Christian life is against the law. When was the last time you prayed for these people? Even if you don't know them by name... You know that there are Christians galore who are suffering for Christ and they're willing to go through it. Jesus is worth it while we hide in our homes and keep from witnessing for fear that neighbors might make fun of us. I'll tell you what, I don't want to be the next one in line after some of those believers go through the judgment seat of Christ's life. I believe we would find ourselves ashamed at how little that we have suffered for Christ. We have it so easy. We ought to be so excited about telling people about Jesus. It ought to show. So when was the last time you prayed for suffering Christians? No, we have forgotten them. You know, there are, I've read numbers of stories like, for instance, Richard Vernbrand, uh, Tortured for Christ. Uh, and there are others like that who try to get Bibles into some of these lands, and if they get caught, they end up going to prison for getting Bibles into some of these lands. You read about these people and their faith, and they're willing to sacrifice whatever the cost. It reminds me of Acts chapter 5, where after the disciples were beaten for witnessing, the Bible says, and when they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. But a lot of those people are thinking, surely the Christians in America think of them. If they only knew, we never give them a thought. We don't care. We've got too many other things to be concerned about. Let me give you something else to remember. Turn over to Revelation chapter 2. Believer, remember the fire that you had. In Revelation chapter 2, 
verse 2, Jesus is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he says, I know thy works, in verse 2. And he mentions a number of things. Again in verse 3. And hast born and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. He says, then in verse 4, nevertheless I have somewhat against thee. Thou hast left thy first love. He doesn't say that you've lost your first love. He says you've left your first love. This wasn't something that had been misplaced. He then says, remember. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Repent and do thy first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick from thee. Do you remember what you were like when you got saved? Remember what it was like when you trusted Christ as Savior? I mean, this verse is written to believers here. It's not to lost people. It was written to Christians who were still believing right, Christians who were still doing right, Christians who were still standing right. But Jesus said, I have somewhat against you. You have left your first love. Remember. And then he says, repent and do thy first work. I remember my first love with Jesus. Man, I went out. I got bumper stickers. I'm not suggesting you get bumper stickers. I mean, you drive in Huntsville. I'm not suggesting you get bumper stickers, put them on your car. But, man, I got bumper stickers. Things go better with Jesus. I I didn't know any better. I found out later it's not really a good thing to compare Jesus to Coca-Cola or Pepsi-Cola. I think you ought to be careful about that. But, I mean, I wasn't ashamed of Jesus And I'm not against a bumper sticker or two if you want to put them on there. Good night. Some of the garbage that people put on their cars that they're not ashamed of. Uh, Putting something on your car to announce you love Jesus or put a Bible verse, that would be fine. I'm just just remembering how excited I was about getting saved. Just wanted, I wanted everybody to know that Jesus had saved me. It made a difference in my life. So I'd ask you the question, was there a time when reading the Bible was more precious? You couldn't wait to open it up? You look for opportunities to study it? When there was a time when going to the house of God was more precious to you? If there was a time when the house of God and reading the Bible and and hearing preaching was more precious to you than it is now, he didn't move, he didn't change. Why didn't it still burn in our hearts? He says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do thy first works. Was there a time when the joy of seeing a soul saved stirred you up, but now you say, oh, man, that means we're going to be here an extra five minutes, ten minutes to talk about it. Maybe the pastor will make us stay through the baptism. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Quickly, there was there a time when reading the Bible is more precious. We need to remember what we were. We need to remember godly examples. We need to remember Christians in bonds. We need to remember the fire that we had. And finally, we need to remember the preaching that we've heard. Go over to chapter 3. Here he's writing to the church at Sardis. And he says in verse 3, Remember therefore how how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. This church was having some problems. And he says, remember what you've heard. 
Remember what you've heard. You know, we Americans, it's very, very difficult for us to keep our mind on anything for longer than a week or two. And believe me, the politicians all know that. That's why they're not afraid to make you angry today. They know you'll forget it tomorrow. Isn't that right? We have a hard time remembering. He says, remember the preaching you've heard. I mean, after all, you look at this crowd here. There's no way any preacher could cover every major need in your life. I mean, for everybody that's here in one message, can't happen. And of course, people go through hard times at different times. I'll tell you what, though, if you remember the preaching you've heard, it'll help you through it. There are times that I preach, and I know that it's dealing with some people right then, but there's going to be some people sitting in the auditorium that are going to need that same message next week. And as a pastor, I just think, I hope they'll remember it because it'll see them through it. I've had a number of times in my life where God has had a preacher say some things that I would need later on that when the later on came, thank God, I remembered and it made a difference. One of those times, and I've told this story before, and I'll tell it and we'll be done, but uh, I was going to Tennessee Temple University, and I was pastoring a chapel uh, of Highland Park Baptist Church over around South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and while I was there, and, and we were poor as church mice. I mean, the church paid me, I, I, I say often, that's the only church that ever paid me what I was worth. They paid me nothing. And uh, we would drive out there three times a week. I was a student at Tennessee Temple working a part-time job at a gospel radio station, paying my school bill, having a wife and a child and all of that. And it was tough. I, the van of the church, the drive train just fell out of it. And so we had no van. I had a little gremlin car. I was driving into South Pittsburgh and I had a high day of 30. People in my gremlin car at one time. Now, if you don't know what a gremlin car is, you know that's got to be astounding. You wonder why someone didn't suffocate. It was not a van, it wasn't a 13, 15 passenger van, it wasn't a bus, man, it was a gremlin. One of the ugliest little cars, and, and it was an ugly rust orange color. But at least people knew it was Brother Allison coming when the car came pulling up. Well, and I was playing, man, I, 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 praying, God, please, we need a van. We need a van. We need a van so I can pick up, so I can pick up more people and get them out to the church. And uh, instead, after praying a while, and I, I admit I was getting a little short with the Lord, but I'm glad God's patient. I know none of you have ever complained to God about anything, but I was complaining about it. And... Uh, I, my wife had gone into work. She was secretary at Central Presbyterian Church. And um, I was uh, at the radio station. It was in the morning. I had done my early morning show. And then I got in my car to go to school. I went around, opened up the back window. Those gremlins, they had only one hydraulic lift. It was on one edge, or one side of the back window. And the two little hooks on the top were just welded. Well, I go and I go to shut the, the back window and the weld on the right side and that window just like that. How am I going to get 13 people in that car now? Somebody fall out. Oh, I was not happy. I came in, showed my, showed my wife about that. We started calling around. At, there were two AMC dealers in, uh, in Chattanooga at that time. I, the people out 
outside, just barely outside the town. They couldn't help me. But the ones that were downtown, they said, well, we can fix it. Bring it on in. And I said, how long will it take to fix it? And they said, about 35 minutes. I said, okay, as soon as I'm done with class, I'll be down there. So I got done with my class. I got my, my broken gremlin. I drove down there, pulled it in, and uh, they took it upstairs. I was studying at a table, uh, waiting for them to come down. 35 minutes later, they came down. I thought, good, I can get going. And I went out, and they said, we couldn't fix it. So what do you mean you couldn't fix it? He said, well, we'd have to weld it, and welding it would break the window. I, I knew you had to weld it when I brought it in here. I mean, it's your car. You people make these things. Surely this is not the first one to have this happen. I said all that in Christian love. I wasn't discouraged at all. No, I was discouraged. I got in my car. I, well, you can't peel out in a gremlin. That doesn't happen. But I pulled out rather quickly, and I went out to where we were living on Mana Lane in East Ridge, Tennessee, just outside of Chattanooga. And, uh, man, I got out of the car. I got my briefcase. I went upstairs. I opened the door. I slammed the doors. I went in. I took my briefcase. I threw it down on the floor. I got down at the couch. And I said to the Lord, that's it. Don't take me any further. That's it. I don't know why God didn't kill me. I surely would have deserved it at that point. It was Wednesday. In just a couple hours, I was going to have to leave to go out to South Pittsburgh, Tennessee to pick up hopefully at least one or two in my broken gremlin car for the church service that night. There is no doubt in my mind that whatever I preached that night, it wasn't good. Understand, I was a young preacher. That, at that point, I was like 20... 25, 26 years old. But I was, I was so discouraged. So I wasn't happy when I preached, wasn't happy after I preached, took, I think, Brother Jess Hargis, probably the only one that was there that night, and probably the Poe girls, that would have been it. And took them home, came back, got my wife and my daughter, Kathy. And you say, what was wrong with Carrie? She wasn't, we hadn't even thought about Carrie yet. We had no idea. Uh, at that point, we just had Kathy. And so uh, we got in the car, and I'm driving back on I-24. We got to Nickajack, where you come up over that hill, and you come down near the Nickajack Dam. And uh, it hit me. There had been a preacher in chapel a couple weeks beforehand who was talking about believers going through testings. And he made a statement like this in the message. He says, because God has even more difficult things for you to do in your life, he has to teach you some lessons. He has to give you some hard times to go through. And if you don't go through them, then you won't be able to do what he wants you to do down the road. Now, like I said, it was a week or two beforehand. And I remembered it right then. And my heart broke. My wife, she was asleep in the seat next to me. Kathy was asleep in the seat behind me. And I just started weeping as I was driving across the Nickajack Lake there. And I said, God, I gave myself to you. You just go ahead and take me as far down as you want me to go. And I found out he wasn't going to take me any farther then. 
But if I hadn't surrendered for whatever he had for me, that would have been it as far as usefulness to the Lord is concerned. Thank God I remembered the preaching I had heard. Remember. Remember the preaching you've heard. Remember what you were. Remember godly examples. Remember Christians in bondage. And remember when you were on fire. There's a song in our hymnal, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, written by a man by the name of Robinson. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune thy heart to sing thy praise. Strings of mercy never ceasing, and so on. It's a familiar song to you. And, uh, but after writing that, sometime after writing, he got away from God. He had lost the joy of his salvation. It was gone. He was just, he wasn't having anything to do with God. One day he was, while traveling, he got on a train. And there was a young lady he struck up an acquaintance with. And she, as they began talking, he, she asked him about this song. She says, I've been reading this song here. And I, I'd like to talk to somebody about it. And he said, well, go ahead. Well, she said, now, it's a hymn. And she started reading the words that come thou fount of every blessing. He tried to change the subject. She didn't want to change the subject. She kept talking. She got to that last verse, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. He said, I wrote that song. I wrote that song and I'd give anything. If I could get back to my walk with God like it was when I wrote that song. And she said, listen, his streams of mercy haven't ended. You could seek him right now. He did. And it brought him back to a close walk with God. Remember. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Lord, you know every individual here. You know who's saved and who's lost. You know who's on fire for you and who isn't. And you know who has gotten cold and they're far away, away from the walk they once had. Lord, we give this invitation. I pray you'd bless it. Save those who are lost. May they come to Christ, receive your free gift of eternal life. And I pray for believers today. May there be a renewal of spirit, of obedience, of love for our great God. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray.